Okay, so we have an important story here, and it has everything we need to know about our Blessed Mother. Well, what are you talking about, Father? Where's Mary in the Bible? Where's the Hail Mary in the Bible? Where do we honor Mary in the Bible? It's all right there. It's all in the Bible. Luke 1, this was 39 to 56, but basically 26 to 56, going back to the Annunciation. Let's start there for a moment, because it's a precursor to this. In the Annunciation, first of all, let's see where the Hail Mary's in the Bible. Because we as Catholics are criticized for praying Hail Mary. <clears throat> the Hail Mary is entirely in the Bible. Every word of it. No, it's not, Father. Yes, it is. <laughs> At the Annunciation, the angel hails her, tells her she is full of grace, and tells her the Lord is with her. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Now Elizabeth said she is blessed among women, and blessed is the fruit of her womb. Hmm, does that sound like the Hail Mary? And then she calls her holy. Why? Because she said, blessed is she who believed what the Lord said would be fulfilled. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary. So far, it's all there. Now, what about mother of God? Holy Mary, mother of God. Elizabeth says, how is it that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So, holy Mary, mother of God. All right, now here's the big one. Pray for us sinners. Now and at the hour of our... Now, I don't see that in the Bible, Father. Yes, it is, actually. Does the Bible say we should approach saints with our prayers? Non-Catholics tell us absolutely not. Emphatically, the Bible does not say the saints are dead. No, the Bible states that God is of the living, the God of Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All right, Revelation 5.8. John saw 24 elders fall down before the Lamb in worship. Each one having a harp, quote, this is from Revelation, each one having a harp and golden bowls of incenses, which are the prayers of the saints. Revelation 8, three, Revelation 8 verse 3 and 4, quote, another angel came and stood on the altar having a golden censer. What is a censer? That's what we use at Mass to incense. And people say that we're worshiping because of incense. You want to know what the purpose of incense is? Listen to the book of Revelation. Another angel came, stood on the altar, having a golden censer, and many incenses were given to him in order that he will give it with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incenses, which we are always criticized for, the smoke of the incenses went up with the prayers of the saints from the hand of the angel before God. Revelation 8, verse 3 and 4. Wow. It's talking about the saints and their prayers, worship, uh, going up to the throne of God. We're worshiping God, but we're sending our prayers through that up with them. Just like the Bible says, this is why the Catholic Church in the Mass has incense. Because it goes up, the smoke goes up with our prayers, as it says to do in Revelation. We're not making it up. And the greatest of all these saints is Mary. 
We ask for her prayers, like the prayers of the saints. She's the greatest of the saints. And to pray does not necessarily mean to worship. To pray also means to ask. So when we pray to Mary, we are asking her for her help. Then it says Mary went up into the hill country of Judea. That's the exact same thing David did. All right. David did the same. And Mark, most theologians believe it's the exact same location. When I was in the Holy Land with Stephen Ray, he pointed that out. They were both up there for three months. David went up into the hillside with the Ark of the Old Covenant for three months. Mary, now the Ark of the New Covenant, goes up into the hillside of Judea. Same place for three months. Now, like Elizabeth, David exclaimed, How is it that the Ark of my Lord should come to me? Just like Elizabeth said, How is it that the mother of my Lord should come to me? David now says, How is it that the Ark of the Lord should come to me? This is 2 Samuel 6, verse 9. All the early Christians, all the early church fathers describe Mary as the Ark of the New Covenant. You want to know another awesome combination or connection? Scott Hahn says, we just read that the child leapt in the womb at the sound of Mary's voice. Elizabeth just said, Elizabeth said, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leapt in her womb. Now, what made the child leap in Elizabeth's womb? It just says, the sound of Mary's voice. Now, what happened? The child leapt at the sound of Mary's voice. In the Old Testament, what did, and, and child is being John the Baptist, but what did David do before the Ark of the Old Covenant? He danced. In the Old Testament, it says David danced before the Ark of the Old Covenant when it was up in the hillside. The same word for leapt, Scott Hahn tells us, is danced in the original language. So you got John the Baptist in the womb before Mary, the Ark of the New Covenant, dancing or leaping in the womb is the same word as John the Baptist, or excuse me, as David in front of the Old Covenant, dancing. Dancing and leapt, same word. David before the Ark of the Old Covenant, John the Baptist before the Ark of the New Covenant. And please join us this Saturday. This Saturday at 11 o'clock, I'm actually doing a talk on the Ark of the Covenant and how it is a precursor to Mary. The, you don't know what the Ark of the Old Covenant is? Well, yeah, Father, I know it holds, hold the, held the Ten Commandments. It's so much deeper than that, and it connects right here to our Blessed Mother. So join us Saturday as I give that talk on the Ark of the Covenant. All right, now... I got several emails from people about calling Mary the queen of heaven. It's blasphemy. It's heresy. Let's talk about that for a moment. And you're also going to hear about it when Brother Ben reads from the diary of St. Faustina. He's going to read you that the mother of God, hail holy queen. Okay. So you're going to hear about that at the end of mass. But the queen of heaven. Why do we call her the queen? Because Jesus comes from the line of David. He comes from the Davidic kingdom. And in the Davidic kingdom, who was the queen? Kings in those times had many wives, hundreds of wives. So which one was the queen? Which wife of the king was the queen when there was hundreds? Was it the first wife, the last wife, the prettiest wife, the smartest wife, the oldest wife, the youngest wife? It wasn't any wives, the queen was the mother. 
Don't believe me? 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 19. This is who Mary is. Now, if Jesus came from the line of David, why would he change that? Why would Jesus say, you know what? I'm fulfilling the line of David, but I'm not going to follow the line of David. Because in the line of David, the queen was the mother. They called her queen mother. But why would Jesus say, well, you know what? I don't like that. I'm going to change it. He didn't. This is why Mary is queen. She had the function. This is now in the back. Let's go back to the line of David. In the Davidic kingdom, the, the king had the function, excuse me, the king and his mother, who was the queen. She had the function of counselor. This is what 1 Kings chapter 2 talks about. She had the function of counselor to the king in regards to all matters. The peasants went to her to intercede for them to the king. Why would Jesus change this? He didn't. God appointed prophets and angels as mediators of communication, not mediators of salvation. You notice the difference there? Father, there's only one mediator. It's Jesus Christ. True, yes, only one mediator of salvation. God has appointed tons of prophets and angels as mediators of communication between God and man. The Greek, where does this come from? 1 Timothy 2, chapters, chapter 2, verse 5, talks about Christ as the one mediator. I get letters all the time. How dare you Catholics invoke Mary? Jesus is the only mediator to the Father. True. Jesus is the only way to the Father. Jesus is the only way to salvation. True. But there's many ways to Jesus. Non-Catholics have altar calls all the time saying how they found Jesus. I found Jesus through my neighbor. I found Jesus through a book. I found Jesus through the passion of Christ and the, um, uh, uh, the passion on Mel Gibson. There's many ways to Jesus. The best way is his mother. This is not violating Jesus as the one mediator. In fact, the Greek word for one that Paul talks about, there's one mediator in 1 Timothy 2, 5, in the phrase one mediator is not monos, which would mean soul and no other. It's not the word Paul uses. He uses the word eos, which means one in a series or principle or the main amongst others. This is very important. Jesus is the principal mediator, but he enables sub-mediators, mediators of communication, mediators as tools that he uses. Don't you think God says, I want to use you to bring your sister back to the faith or your children to the faith? Of course he does. We're not robots. We're supposed to be evangelizers. When you're an evangelizer, guess what? You're a mediator. Well, Father, there can't be any other mediators. Well, then none of us are going to be ever spreading the word of God. And this is important. Jesus is the principal mediator, enables sub-mediators to transmit God's grace to others. Yes, Jesus is the only way to the Father, but there are many ways to Jesus. As I said, the mom is, his mom is the best. Do you know you're a mediator whenever you pray? Have you ever had anybody say, please pray for me? Guess what? You're now a mediator. Not the mediator. You're a sub-mediator. You're a mediator to get you to Jesus, who's the only way to the Father. 
You're a mediator when you pray for your neighbor, share the gospel, when you serve the poor. You're even mediators on the live stream. When you share these, these videos or you help everybody and you, you make comments and you share and you're part of it, I've been naming several people who are so beautiful part of our, our Marian family here. Maureen, Francine, Linda, Faye, Jerry, Susanna, Catherine, Beth. I mean, all these people, and I'm just mentioning a few every couple homilies. There's so many of you that are part of our Marian family. You're mediators. Praise be to God, but you're not the mediator. <laughs> Only Jesus is. The purpose of Mary's visitation was to bring Jesus to both Jesus and, or to Elizabeth and John the Baptist. Mary was a mediator. Our faith teaches to Jesus through Mary, not to Mary instead of Jesus. Even though he was still in the womb, John the Baptist became aware of the presence of Christ through Mary. Well, no, John the Baptist came when Jesus came to him for baptism. No, John isn't even born yet. And he becomes aware of the presence of Jesus through Mary. He leapt for joy as he was cleansed from original sin and filled with the Holy Spirit. Through Mary, not because of Mary. Mary's a tool just like we are, but she's a very special one. Elizabeth also responded, not just on the Baptist. Mary brought Jesus to Elizabeth and Elizabeth responded and recognized the presence of Jesus. Thus, Mary is becoming a mediatrix. Oh, that scares everybody. The proposed fifth dogma of Mary's mediatrix of all graces. Oh my gosh, we can't even touch that. It'll offend people. Why? It's scriptural. This whole passage we just read is Mary being a mediatrix. Mary exercised her function between God and man. God and man, John the Baptist and, and Elizabeth. She's a mediatrix right here. Co-mediatrix scares everybody, and why it shouldn't. Co in Latin means cum, does not mean equal to. Co means with in the Latin, cum. C-U-M, cum. That means with, not equal to. Mary is co-mediatrix, meaning she acted with Jesus. She actively participated in God's will by giving Jesus his flesh and blood. That's acting with God in redemption. Certainly not acting against it. So if she's acting with it, we can call her co-mediatrix. Cum, with, not equal to. Then Mary says, all generations will call her blessed if this is what it says in the Bible, why can't non-Catholic Christians also call her blessed? Mary says, all generations will call me blessed. Oh, well, no, not that generation, because that's wrong. It's not the Bible. Oh, yeah, it is. We just read it. All right. God honored her above all creatures. So should we. We venerate. We do not worship. We venerate. We do not worship. Our, our lady says, my soul will magnify. She says it right here. Um, my soul will magnify the greatness of the Lord or proclaims the greatness of the Lord. That's where we get the word magnificat. 
You ever hear the prayer book called Magnificat? It means magnify. Mary magnifies the Lord. God uses human tools. Now, the problem with that is non-Catholics will say, well, we can't say Mary was immaculately conceived because that would be saying she was without sin and didn't need a savior. Yes, yeah, she was without sin because she had a savior. He prevented her from sin in the first place. Mary even says, God, my savior. Right here, my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. We're not claiming she didn't need a savior. God is needed to forgive sins. Why wouldn't God needed, be needed to prevent sins in the first place? If Protestants think that God can forgive sins, which they do, why do they find it so hard to believe that he can't prevent sin in the first place? It's actually easier to keep something clean and prevent it from getting dirty, keep your shirt in the drawer. It's actually easier to keep it clean if you keep your shirt in the drawer rather than rolling around in the mud puddle and then trying to wash it afterwards. But if God can actually wash us after rolling in the mud puddle and cleanse us, which is actually a, seems to me like a greater task, why in the world can't we believe that he could prevent us from rolling in the mud puddle in the first place? And he did with Mary. We have original sin, but she was cleansed of it. So to finish, I think this is very powerful. All right, we needed, God needed to keep her perfect so that his son could enter a womb without sin. Here's the thing. God can't coexist with sin. If Mary had any sin whatsoever, the Bible's a liar. What are you talking about, Father? It says in Genesis, there'll be complete enmity between you and the serpent. Well, complete enmity, that means if Mary had even the slightest stain of sin, even the smallest sliver, that would mean Satan had even the tiniest control over Mary, because sin means Satan has a little bit of you. So if Mary had even the slightest hint of sin, like original sin, that would mean there was not complete enmity. There could not be. The Bible in Genesis 3 says there will be complete enmity between you and the woman, the serpent and the woman. If Mary had even the slightest sliver of sin, it would not be complete enmity. So the Bible would be a liar. So Mary had, God, as I said, can't coexist because if she had sin, God couldn't enter her womb. Mary's very DNA is in Jesus. His very blood comes from her. She gave him his human nature and body. It's very much Mary's DNA is running through Jesus' veins. There cannot be any sin in that. Can't be. You know, if you were God, wouldn't you make your own mother perfect? If you had the ability to create your own mother wouldn't you make her perfect? You bet you would. And you know, Mary's example here, I want to finish with one last thing. Today in the United States, we celebrate Memorial Day. This is a day for us to honor those who have gone before us, who have given the ultimate sacrifice of their own life so that we could be here today in worship of God. I want to say one thing about it. I sent out a, a video last week, and in that video, I talked about a nun who had taught my father when he was a kid that if a soldier died, 
in defense of his country that he would go to heaven. I, I stressed in that. I've got many letters. Please let me explain. I stressed in that video, this is not church teaching. This is not a dogmatic revelation. It's not even doctrine. But it makes sense. Because it says no greater. Okay, let's go back to Peter. First Peter chapter 4 verse 8. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. And no greater love hath a man than to lay down his life for another. So to me, it makes sense if somebody is willing to make the ultimate sacrifice of their own lives so that I could live and be here today in worship. To me, that's the greatest act of love. And Peter tells us love covers a multitude of sins. So even if they died with sins on their soul, that love could perhaps be enough for them to get to heaven. Is it dogmatic teaching? No. Does it make sense? Is it fitting? Yes. Because Mary shows us right here what an act of love does. She completely gave of herself to come in an act of love. And the soldiers that have died before us completely gave of themselves in an act of love. The point I was trying to make in the video are for those people who are saying they killed in war and therefore they're going to hell. I got letters saying that if somebody kills another, they are damned. That is not true because you have to look at the intent. If the intent of the person was simply to carry out their duty to stop a tyranny like World War II, Hitler or, 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 or um, the evil empires of Japan and, 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 and Germany, and they lost their life, that is not to be condemned. Now, yes, the soldier still has to accept Jesus even when he dies. He can't die in a state of hatred for God and rejection of God. Of course that can't be. That's not who we're talking about here. But the catechism tells us those who served and gave their lives did an ultimate act of love. And love covers a multitude of sins. All I'm teaching there is it makes sense. Not saying it's dogmatic. So this day, let's honor those who have given the most ultimate sacrifice. Those who have laid down their lives, the hundreds of thousands just here in the United States and millions around the world to defend freedom, and to defeat tyranny. God bless all those who are serving in our armed forces that will stand in defense of our freedom. Because remember, our freedom is worth dying for. And what freedom am I talking about? First and foremost, the freedom to worship. That to me is worth dying for. And praise be to God that we had those before us that were willing to pay that sacrifice so that I could be here today, you could be here today, and we can worship. Praise be to God and keep all of those in your prayers today. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast 
to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign-up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.